The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Wow. What a crazy day of sports. It's so busy around here. One thing after another thing after another thing. This show is brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. Zinger, you're tired. I'm tired. We need the listeners to pull us through. So we need that hype horn going. Can you find me that hype horn? I'm going to need a minute to find oh, it. I'm so on. tired. Well, it's because you had 100 donuts. Thanks to uh, Mr. Eckert. Who brought us in donuts because yeah, he wanted to pick the score. Those were pretty tasty, man. Those were good donuts. Thank you, Brent. His name's Brent, right? Brent Eckert. Yeah, hey, thanks, former Brent. McGuigan Mustang, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. Anyway, that had nothing to do with him winning. He won fair and square. Do we have pick the score today, Zinger? Yeah, we do. We got uh, we got pick the score today. Okay, so. we'll get to that a little later on in the show. Uh, what is going on in the sports world? Let us tell you right now. The Toronto Blue Jays are in that dumpy stadium in Oakland. When are they going to move to Vegas? My gosh. 2-1 Toronto leading Oakland. You've been to almost every baseball stadium. Is that by far the worst, Zinger? Yeah, it's at the bottom of the list. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, I mean, come on. You Do I really? I'm asking an NFL owner who's a hoity-toity. Like, mm. Folks, he's an NFL owner. You're an NFL owner. I'm an NFL owner, and some people like to forget about that sometimes. So <laughs> they just like, like to forget about just that. Just uh, pay your respects when you talk to me. Hey, you know? would you wake up over there? You're half asleep. God, man. Get your stuff together, Zinger. Yeah, Zinger is a shareholder in the Green Bay Packers, and... He owns Casper's son's shareholding rights, too. Yeah, so basically, I got, like, double dibs right now. So I got double the power. So yeah, yeah. even more reasons to show me some respect around here. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so what's going to happen when he's 18? Does he get to vote then? Is that how that works? Yep, yep. What does it cost you to be a share? No, that's, that's confidential stuff right there, Ballsy. <laughs> you don't want to say because yeah. your wife's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's under the carpet right now, man. <laughs> That's like I was talking to a buddy who does some freelance work. I won't say who he is. He tells his wife he makes two hundred bucks when he actually makes four hundred bucks, and we can pocket two hundred. Hey, hey, that guy's got a nice brain on him. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly does. Okay, let's get to some of the things going on. Uh, the Cleveland Browns traded Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers on Wednesday. The Browns will get a conditional 2024 fifth-round pick that could become a fourth-rounder. But check this out. So they got a conditional fifth, maybe a fourth, right? Mm. The Browns. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They got a second and a fourth and a sixth rounder for Sam Darnold. <laughs> that's, that, that's, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh, that Sam is, Darnold getting uh, recycled around. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> to rider practice, and we will get to Alberta Watchy oh. in a second. Uh, Brett, Brett Lothar's got some messed up hands. He, uh, he said he got banged up on three or four different occasions, so he's got a big turf burn on his uh, right arm. Both hands were like he was in a UFC fight. Doesn't know if they're broken or not. Uh, he's got an injured calf muscle on his plant leg, but he is going to play 
This Friday, he said, against Ottawa. And there's no way in hell he's missing going home to Nova Scotia the next week. Uh, Gre- uh, Nick Marshall, almost said Greg Marshall. Nick Marshall practiced today, and he looks like he's good to go. He was complaining because he said, I got to pick six and I have to go do a drug test. He mm-hmm. goes, I'm not on anything. I'm just working out with Clint. That's Clint's workouts. That's why I'm able to run it back 90 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> uh, and uh, Duke Williams did not practice today. He is still out uh, with hip and uh, shoulder problems. And we'll get to Coach Dickinson about that a little later on. Now, from the CFL, other news. Danny Machocha back in the league as a head coach. (laughs) He (laughs) fires Kahari Jones. Jones is fired as his defensive coordinator, Baron Miles, former rider assistant. In, Danny Machocha is the head coach. And... Noel Thorpe, who was there before, left, is back. He is the D coordinator in Montreal. So there you go. Are you surprised by that? Uh, I'm not. Well, I mean, like, Montreal, they're 1-3, but they're still, like, in second place in the East because the the division's so garbage right now. That's the only reason why I'm a bit surprised. I mean, come on, like... You're going to probably host a home playoff game, maybe even get a bye still, and you're firing your head coach and stuff. After after four games, no, nah, I, I think that's a bit of uh, that's a, that's a bit goofy in my opinion. That's a bit goofy, is right. Um, the Edmonton Elks <clears throat> are listening to the show, are they not? Oh, we've absolutely. Had, we've had Victor Quee on this show. Great guy. So Victor's probably listening What's because up, Victor? he has done something that I have said we should do for a long time in this league. The Edmonton Elks are going to allow kids age 12 and under to attend their games for free the rest of the regular season. This new initiative is starting immediately, meaning it'll be in effect tomorrow against the Calgary Stampeders. Adults wanting to bring kids to the game can get up to four free kids tickets for every adult ticket purchase. These tickets still need to be procured from an online retailer despite being free of charge. So you need to get them online still, but you get four free kids tickets for every adult ticket purchase. Okay, okay, Victor. That's smart. That's very smart. I wish the Riders had that when I was a kid. Yeah. I could have went to every no game. No kidding. No kidding. That's good, though. Get it going. Get it going. Um, NHL news. We'll get to the sad news in a second, but first we'll get to the NHL schedule. It's out. It opens up October 7th and 8th over in Prague. Prague. <laughs> Prague. <laughs> uh, the Czechs. Czech, uh, as they call it now, I guess. Uh, Czechol, uh, Czech, Republic. Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Sharks at Preds, Preds at Sharks, seventh and eighth. Leafs at Habs. They open up October twelfth. Vancouver's in Edmonton that night. The first hockey night in Canada slate has Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal at Washington, and Calgary at mm. Edmonton. And now, speaking of the Sharks, yeah, sad news. Former Oiler, Jet, Blackhawk, Leaf. Shark and now Shark Scout. He's with their organization for 20 years. Brian Marchment, known as Mush, suspended 13 times and over two, uh, 2,300 career penalty minutes. He dies. We don't know how he died, but he died in Montreal getting ready for the draft. They usually have a couple of dinners meetings during the week before amongst the GM and the scouts. Uh, of uh, various teams to go over their strategy. So who knows if uh, uh, if he died a heart attack or whatever, but he does pass away at the age 
of 53. All right. I thought so, you were going to talk about Mike Greer being the new oh, uh, Mike GM. Greer, yeah, Mike Greer, another one. He is the Brought uh, my mood down. New, yeah. new general manager, <laughs> a fre- or a teammate of Brian Marchman in Edmonton. That's right. Mike Greer, also in San Jose with Brian Marchman. He's the first African-American general manager. It's not like he doesn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. He just lost the scout. First they, one in history. Yeah, they got a, they got a draft. Tomorrow, he's got a higher head coach, and they got NHL free agency right around the corner. We'll talk about that and much more as we talk with Bob Stoffer, the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network, about the draft, about what we just talked about, and all things Oilers after 6 o'clock. We'll also hear from one of the performers of the month in the CFL in the 6 o'clock hour, Pete Robertson. But a, a lot of the talk coming out of the locker room at halftime after the Brett Lothar a field goal of 57 yards was the Riders' running attack, which netted them some big-time yards on the ground. Jamal Moore rushed for over 100, but he'd be nothing without that offensive line, and in particular those two fullbacks, James Tuck, former Edmonton football player, and this guy, Albert watching. Before we hit the audio, I want to tell you, we, I had to do some creative editing. We had a little bit of audio issues. Uh, I I apologize for a little bit of the audio here, but you can still make it out. I want it to air it because Albert doesn't get a lot of street cred and deserves it. Here's Albert Awachi. That was, um, you know, it was just kind of the, the flow of the game. Uh, we took advantage of what, and I'm glad that we were able to execute and kind of keep the momentum, some long drives going, and I felt like we were able to accomplish that, and I, I'm glad we got the win. Of honorary offensive lineman, so to speak. I mean, we're not linemen, like, but we are in those meetings. It comes to the footworks, the schemes, the gap schemes, the pulling and all that stuff. Well, I guess in a way, you wouldn't be wrong to say we are an extension of it, but primarily those front five really are the, uh, uh, the front line and uh, get the push going. You were a skill position guy coming up through college. Now you're one of those guys that uh, opens holes and blows things uh, open. Have you, have you totally switched your mind to that? Skill player before and skill player now. Yeah. Um, just the physicality. I think uh, when I'm on the field, I take great pride in that. Uh, where did you get that humility from? Because to play your position, you have to be humble. You give your body up for somebody else's success. Where did that uh, humility come from, though? It's just sacrifice and trying to do what I can for the uh, for the team. I mean, whether it comes from my family, I have a big family, just like I have a big team here. So it kind of uh, it's one and one. And it kind of meshes together, and that's just my mindset. Whatever I can do for the team. And if it takes sacrifice in my body or really if I had the good technique, then really I can try to be more healthy throughout the season and prolong how many snaps I can take out there. And I think I've been doing well so far and hopefully I can keep this trend going. You're right, you've been doing well. The coach, Craig Jenkins, said you want to watch two fine football players. Watch James Tuck and Albert Awachi. How does that make you feel when the head coach is noticing that? Because sometimes it goes unnoticed by the fans, but at least the coaches are noticing. I mean, the coaches know everything. We have great staff here. We have great uh, support. Even beyond the staff, the organization, from the top down, it's a great uh, environment to be here. And definitely, uh, it's an environment where we can all excel in whatever we do. And I'm glad um, the coaches are, I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, it's their job to know us anyways. So I'm just trying to do what I can and do what I can control. So I'm, I'm happy about it, but that's not going to make my ego jump or anything. Yeah. I'm just going to try to keep, uh, stay even keel. So you've got James Tuck, who's like you, Keenan LaFrance. Uh, how tight are you guys? How tight is that running back room in general? Um, we're really we're really close together. Um, I mean, all of our lockers are together, so really we're chatting from the morning all the way until we leave. Mm-hmm. And then even if we have questions, then we'll text each other and whatnot. So we're definitely close. Um, I've known Keenan since I came here in 2017. Tuck, he's from Ontario too, so we have that familiarity too. So it's definitely a good uh, bunch we have out there. Even the young guys too, like Bruno coming up and 
we have I think we have a really great uh, running back unit as yeah. a whole. So yeah, and now I'm told you you always got a smile on your face, which I can uh, agree with, and you always like to keep it light. Would you agree with those assessments? Uh, maybe not on game days, maybe I'm a little more focused, but when you catch me outside the field, then maybe that's what you'll see, my smile. All right, awesome. And lastly, about Ottawa coming in here, they're a desperate football team. They haven't won. You've played a desperate football team in the last couple of weeks in Montreal. What do you expect from Ottawa? Um, I don't think it's really what Ottawa does. I think it's what we bring onto the field. Um, I do believe we are the better team, so really they're going to have to prepare for us as we prepare for them too but really for us i think it's just about execution uh knowing who we are as a as a unit knowing our identity and just trying to stick to it and just even kill like i said and just try to get that win now lastly albert how important is the running game now cody you got a little bit of banged up in the receiving core with duke and shack and cody's a bit banged up too how important or more important is this running game like you guys did to start the third quarter in the last game i mean the running game is always important in any game so is the passing game too it's just uh we have different ways to hurt the defense. So whether it's passing and running, it really calls, goes with the flow of the game, kind of like we saw last game, right? So whatever the defense kind of gives us, then I think we're going to take advantage of it. We have a great uh, coordinator in Moss, and I think he's going to make the right calls, and we're just going to execute. Fun to play in the West, isn't it? It's pretty competitive. Everybody's winning out here. Yeah, it's fun to play in the West, definitely. It makes the rivalries are good and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I just mind my own team, so like, I don't really, <laughs> if I want to be honest, I don't really jump into like what other teams are doing. I just try to focus on what we're doing. Whether we're in the West and the East, I think we're going to have the same mindset. So that's this week. If they're coming, Ottawa coming here, it, it really doesn't matter. We're going to treat them like they're a rivalry game, like yeah. Winnipeg or yeah. whoever they are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We like watching you play, man. Congratulations on a good season so far. Thank you. I appreciate it. Number 41, Alberta watching. He was just sweating all over my microphone. A hard day's work for number 41. Uh, tried to put that audio to, uh, together the best that I could. I mean, I've only been doing this 25 years. I, you think I'd know by now how to do stuff, but uh, maybe another Not 25 years. Not a bad years. job, huh? Hey, let's get to the hype horn! Yeah. 936-6262, the number to text. For Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one Ford dealership in the province. Get those texts coming in, okay? You hear the horn. Give me your power rankings, because I'll give you mine in a little bit. Your power rankings. What do you think of the Alouettes firing their coach and D coordinator, Kahari Jones and... Baron Miles. Come on, everyone. It's National Fried Chicken Day. Let's go. Fried Chicken Day? That's right. Wow. Zinger, you love food. I can't believe it. Grab a chicken leg or two. Text us up. By the way, the Blue Jays won 2-1 over Oakland, so they finally win a game in that stadium. Uh, We will take a break, and we'll be back with the Sports Cage Clutch Performer of the Day. And then uh, we'll hear from Roland Milligan as their own uh, Blaine Weiland caught up with him yesterday. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Both teams have to wear it, but looking sharp as Sandy has his first strikeout. 117 pitches his last time out. Call strike three. Two balls, two strikes here to Max Stassi. And that's a called strike three. Three and two to Marsh. And another strikeout for Alcantara. Two strikes. Called strike three, strikes out the side. Ninth pitch of the at-bat, Sandy brings it home. And at 99 on the fastball. Going off the top of the helmet, Called strike three, Sandy's one-two pitch. Swing and a miss for strike three, 101. 
swing and a miss for strike three. Nine K's for Alcantara, one away in the eighth. And at 100, Sandy, double-digit K's. How about Miami Marlins lefty Sandy Alcantara? He uh, didn't allow a run in his eight innings of work Tuesday night, striking out 10 on the way to a Marlins 2-1 win over the Angels. Alcantara uh, now has... That's how you say it, right? Alcantara now right. has a 9-3 and record on the season, is sitting pretty with a 1.82 ERA, no doubt an early candidate for the NL Cy Young Award. And, of course, he is our sports cage clutch performer of the night, and it's brought to you by our friends over there in Emerald Park. They know who they are, and now we know who they are. They're our friends at uh, Nick's Service. You can check them out uh, in Emerald Park. You're... Uh, Local Massey, Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Call 781-1077. All right. So uh, Nick Marshall of the pick six, and he's been a mainstay in the Riders' secondary. Definitely one of the veteran guys back there with the loss of Luchez, Pirafoy, and Ed Ganey. And we're like, how are we going to replace those guys? What are we going to do? Well, first off, you have a great front seven that can help the back end out. Then you add a guy. Now, this guy played linebacker last year when he came to the Riders late in the season, but they moved him to the secondary. And I would say he's been the best Ryder defensive back. He was awesome in Montreal when nobody else was. He got off the bus and played well. He's a sure tackler, not only in the secondary, but on special teams. I don't like his number. I think the number zero is stupid. Even worse is double zero. I saw somebody in the Argos game wearing double zero. That is ridiculous. But what isn't ridiculous is Roland Milligan's game. He caught up or uh, we caught up with him. Blaine Weiland from our sports department caught up with him. Talking to Craig Dickinson last night, he said uh, during the, uh, his appearance on the sports cage that uh, he likes DBs who can cover, but he loves DBs who can cover and tackle. And he was talking about you in particular. I just want to talk about that, uh, your willingness to tackle. Uh, I always want to be known as a, as a shirt tackling guy, you know. Whenever, whenever I'm given the opportunity to make a tackle, you know, like my teammates know that the guy's going to get on the ground, you know, and I take pride in that, you know. I expect the same from them too, so I got to make sure that I'm doing, doing my best job at that. As a defensive back, is it tough to you know have a physical mindset, especially you know like defensive linemen get the hit at player every play. Linebackers get a lot of physical plays. A DB, you kind of have to pick your spots. Is it tough to be physical as a DB? Not at all. You know we get a lot of opportunities. You know to get hands on receivers. You know, and then in the run game, you know screen game. You know everybody get opportunities to be physical. You know it's it's a willingness thing for everybody. You know so, you know I'm willing to do that. You know, make everybody else's job easier. As a halfback, as an American coming up, what's it like, you know, playing against uh, slotbacks who get a running start towards the line of scrimmage? It's a tough adjustment, you know. You really got to be clued in on keys, you know, your technique, every play, because, you know, if, they, if they're going vertical or running start, you get beat. You know, it's hard to catch up from behind, and, you know, we don't really want nothing going over our head. So. Going back to this last game against Montreal, it's a back end of a home-and-home -home set. A little bit chippy out there. Is that kind of the atmosphere you like out there when it's a little bit chippy? It don't really matter to me, man. I'm here to play football. I ain't trying to get in no fights and nothing like that. You know, a lot of stuff is unnecessary sometimes, but you know it happens. Guys get, get egos, attitudes, whatever you want to call it. You know, it happens in football. It don't, it don't really matter, though. I just talking about other guys in your secondary, Jeremy Clark. He had a big hit in the game as well to force the fumble. Just get your thoughts about uh, Jeremy Clark. Uh, <laughs> He's a real good player. You know, he got a lot of length on him, too, but, you know, he's a willing tackler just like I am. Just like a lot of guys in our secondary, um, you know, he's a smart individual. You know, we watch a lot of film together. We talk about a lot of different coverages and stuff. 
and, you know, he gets moved around, so I work with him sometimes too. So, you know, he's a, he's a very good player. Mario Henderson made his debut on Saturday, got a fumble recovery as well. Your thoughts about his first game in? Uh, he looked comfortable, you know. A lot of guys coming from down south, coming up here, you know, they're a little shook. You know, me personally, last year, my first game, I was all over the place. But he looked, he looked very comfortable. You know, he made a few plays, you know, some big plays for us. And, um, you know, I, I, I expected that out of him, to be honest. You mentioned about joining the team last year. How big was it for you to join, you know, at the end of last season as opposed to, you know, maybe joining the middle of the, the winter? Uh, I mean, you know, I got a little bit of a head start. Um, it didn't really change much for me. You know, last year I played a lot of Sam. I didn't even really play any halfback. So, you know, I still had to learn everything regardless. So, Playing in Ryderville, what's it like playing here at Mosaic Stadium? <laughs> I love the atmosphere, you know. We have a lot of fans in the stands. And, you know, they, they're rowdy, they're loud. You know, they, they back us. So, you know, it's good to have that fan base behind us to support us, you know, whether we win, whether we lose. How does it compare to, you know, uh, when you're playing up, playing football down south? Uh, how does the Ryderville compare to uh, the atmosphere down south? I mean, you know, still the same. You know, when fans are passionate, they're passionate. No matter the team, no matter, you know, where you're playing at. When people are behind you and they're backing you, you know, it, it's, it's good for your, for your um, organization. You got your, uh, set yourself some personal goals for the season? My biggest thing, you know, I want to be a reliable teammate. I want my, I want my guys to be able to count on me. You know, I expect the same out of them, but that's really it. I don't really care about all the other stuff, you know. If I'm doing my job the way I'm supposed to do my job, you know, that's that's what, that's what my goal. <laughs> do you consider yourself a leader among the secondaries? Uh, somewhat, I guess, you know. I've been playing ball a while, so I got a lot of experience, you know, so I got some input, you know, but we got we got a lot of vets in our, in our secondary too. You know, we got Mike, Moncrief, Nick, who played a lot of ball as well. So um, I don't have to say too much, but, you know, if I see something, if I feel like I need to say something, I'm going to say something. And just get your thoughts about playing under the lights Friday night. <sighs> you know, I, I love playing football, you know, so every opportunity to play is a blessing, you know, whether it's daytime, nighttime, rain, sleet, snow, it don't matter. You know, I take advantage and, you know, I love having an opportunity. On deck on the Western Pizza Hotline is John Hodge from Three Down Nation. But before we go to break and hear from him, a zinger on our text line for Capital Ford Lincoln at 936-6262. What do you got? I got Ryan with his power rankings. Do you want to hear him now or do you want to hold him for no, later? No, go. All right. He's got a, at number nine, Montreal, Argos, eight, Hamilton, seven, Ottawa, six, uh, Edmonton, five, Bombers, four. Uh, Stamps three, Riders two, Lions one. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah, he says I could debate all you want, but the Bombers don't deserve top three for being back to back champs. They barely won games this year, but they're four and zero. Yeah, okay, I feel you though, right? They're four and zero. They're four and zero. Brandon, uh, Brandon texts in and says, "Hey guys, I'll leave the power rankings up to you, pros." Oh, we're pros. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I do think Calgary, BC, and the Riders look strong, and the rest are a player two away. From winning, and that said, if our offense really gets going to their full potential, no one could catch us. Always looking through my uh, green glasses. Go Riders and go Sports Cage. I'll give my full uh, power rankings later, but I have the BC Lions at number one. So that is my number one team. It used to be Calgary, but it's the BC Lions. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back with John Hodge of Three Down Nation. We got a lot to talk about, including. Montreal, little shake up early on. That uh, organization could be in a little bit of a 
catastrophe right now. Uh, this is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on this Wednesday, a beautiful Wednesday out there on 620 CKRM. Just before I get to uh, John Hodge at Three Down Nation, I got to bring something up, okay? So I got an iPhone, like it's, I think it's an iPhone 11, okay? It's my girlfriend's, she's got a new one, so I got this iPhone, okay? And with our equipment, we plug in, we got like an app that records everything, and you plug your mic in and everything like that, okay, Zinger? Yep. Nice. This thing, this this thing works off and on. Like if it gets a little bit hot, it starts to act finicky. Hmm. So I am not again. Listen, I am I am all for uh, oil and gas because I'm in an oil and gas province, but I'm also for green energy. And my son's in the green energy field, like he's environmental studies. And I've done on locations for electric cars. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just highly. How do I put this without having people saying he's spouting his political views? I just want to say this. If my cell phone can't work properly in plus 27 weather for 10 minutes, how the hell's an electric car going to work in the winter or extreme summer conditions? How's that going to work? I know it's at one point we didn't have cell phones, so technology happens i get it and i'm not saying it won't I, i'm very skeptical you're gonna have to show me for years and years and years and years and years that it'll work before i'll buy one yeah there's a lot of moving parts sir you know there's a lot of answers i think that could uh you, you you know what you're a fence sitter you never take you never have an opinion over there do you know what bottom line is maybe your phone is just too old maybe you it's should an just 11 maybe you should just you're the voice of the riders now. Yeah. Maybe you should go to the store and buy a brand new phone. Could I get an endorsement deal? Maybe you won't have this problem. Can anymore. we get an endorsement deal? Maybe. I should. You're absolutely <laughs> right. That's actually what I was <laughs> maneuvering for. Let's get to the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with our friend John Hodge of Three Down Nation. How are you today, Hodgie? I'm doing great, Baldy. How about yourself? Good. You got an electric car? <laughs> I wish I could afford an electric car. Yeah, like uh, that's what I'm saying. We're going to spend all this money, and then my battery's my battery doesn't last on my phone. It overheats or or it goes dead in the cold weather. What's it going to do on a highway? I don't want to be stuck on the side of the highway, any unless I'm listening to the sports cage. But then if my car's dead, I can't listen to the sports cage. So I mean, come on. Anyway, John, the Montreal Alouettes. I think we all saw this. We're like, we're on the Titanic, and there's the iceberg. And we see it, but we're ignoring it. And we see it, but we're ignoring it. And then finally we hit it. I've heard talk for a while that Danny Machocha was interested in in getting back into coaching. So it felt like Kahari Jones was a dead man walking. It really did. And I, I think those rumors were valid, or validated by the fact that Kahari Jones is on an expiring contract. Right, it's very rare in pro sports, and unless you're you're a hot shot young coach who knows that they can go to a bunch of other teams, and it's you know it's the coach's choice, it's their personal choice not to sign a contract. It's very rare in professional sports to have a lame duck head coach, and that's exactly what Kahari Jones was coming into the season, and and the moment they started zero and two, and you you know if you remember back, you know unfortunately they they outplayed Toronto in week two, but David Cote misses a short field goal at the end of that game they lose. Uh, I thought maybe there, there might be a little bit of a reprieve for Jones when they beat the Riders on their short week in week three, but 
the moment they went into Mosaic Stadium and got lit up, I thought, okay, they're going into a bye week. This could be it. And sure enough, Danny Machocha decided to pull the trigger, and he got what he wanted all along. He's got the GM job. He's got the head coaching job. He brought in Noel Thorpe to be his defensive coordinator, who's been in Montreal for two long stints in the past, and he's got all the power. Now he's got to put together some wins. Yeah, so... How do you think, first of all, first of all, it affects their offense? Because, uh, you know, Kahari had his hands all over the offense. Danny is an offensive background. Um, you know, does he go to Vernon Adams? How do you think that works in terms of the offense? Well, that's a great question because Kahari Jones not only served as the head coach, he also served as the offensive coordinator. Uh, the quarterback's coach in Montreal is, of course, the great Anthony Calvillo. Anthony Calvillo, mm-hmm. there's no questioning uh, him as one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of this league. However, he was an offensive coordinator for one year in the past, and it didn't go very well. No. Now, in the intermediate, he has he has coached at the U Sports level, uh, where Danny or Danny Machocha was the head coach for almost a decade with the University of Montreal Carabas. And by all accounts, he went down there, really enjoyed coaching, honed his skills and came back up to the CFL level, I think, with some new tools uh, at his disposal when it came to coaching. That said, is he ready to be at OC again? I don't know the answer to that, but I know if I was given the choice right now of having Kahari Jones run my offense or have Anthony Calvillo run my offense, I would choose Kahari Jones all day because I think he's done some really exciting things with that unit while, of course, wearing the other very important hat that is head coach. So my guess at this point, and it is just a guess, my guess is that it'll go to Anthony Calvillo. But that itself should be a question mark, I think, given his, his first tenure wearing that uh, that particular hat in Montreal. How much, John Hodge, was this based on a business decision? French-Canadian coach in a French-speaking city where they're trying to get uh, some eyeballs back on the football team? I mean, I, I do think it's fair to say that, that Montreal you know, likes to have French Canadians uh, in in key places in their organization. I think it's meaningful when the head coach can speak to the media in both languages, right? We see that in the NHL where they have had French Canadian or at least Francophone uh, head coaches coaching the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I do think that it's important there to reach that demographic, you know, and, and in the draft, we've seen that for many years now. Danny Machocha, I, I don't think he, he necessarily will pass over better players to go and draft French-Canadian players, but if you've got you know uh, two linebackers or if you've got two DBs or two receivers, two guys who are that close, two guys who, you know, it's a, it's, it's a coin flip basically as to who's better, he'll take the French-Canadian every time, and their roster is littered with, with University of Montreal products, Laval University products, guys from Sherbrooke, guys from all of those uh, RSEQ programs, uh, a couple of which in particular are, are very, very strong. Um, so, yes, I, I do think that played into it a little bit. But ultimately, right, fans of Montreal are not going to be satisfied with a substandard team just because they have a French Canadian in charge. They want to see the wins. And so I do think there is some pressure on Danny Machocha to turn this team around and turn it around in a hurry. I don't know this guy personally, so I can't really speak personally, so I'll put a little asterisk beside what I gotta say here, okay? Um, 
I haven't liked Brandon Banks' demeanor since the 2014 Grey Cup when his touchdown got called back and Calgary ultimately won that game. When he freaked out on his teammate, the name's eluding me. He wore 44. What the heck's his name? But it was a linebacker, illegal block. You're talking about Tank Reed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's right. So he runs back the the ball, but it gets called back and he pouted like a little baby on the sidelines. Well, he went full. A meltdown in that game, throwing a water bottle at a teammate. And Ryan Dinwiddie, his coach, came out wasn't real uh, happy with Speedy B. How do you think? How do you think things are shaking down in Toronto right now? Not a great look there for the Argos. No, and and I mean when your bench is that disorganized, your bench is 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 infighting that way. It's it's always a bad look on your franchise. And and let's also be honest. I mean, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were outplayed in that game. Toronto, outside of a disastrous first quarter, played very well, right? They they were the better team, despite losing the turnover battle, which is rare. And to me, if you have to look at a factor that decided that game, I, I think it's that, that level of disorganization on the sideline. Like, Mike O'Shea runs, runs arguably the tightest ship in the CFL. His team's are are known for for following the rules they're they're traditionally the least penalized or among the least penalized teams in the CFL they're well organized they play for each other and and had the Argos been able to do that i think they win that game there was infighting between uh Trevon Tate the 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 left tackle there was Philip Blake the veteran guard getting in there McLeod Bethel Thompson was getting involved and the other thing that, that concerns me, if I'm an Argos fan, is you look at the age of all those guys. Like, Brandon Banks has been in this league for, for 10 years. He, he's in his mid, I think he's 34 years old. Philip Blake, I believe, is the oldest player on Toronto's roster. He's 35, 36, played in the NFL for many, many years. McLeod Bethel Thompson is 34. Like, when you have these veteran players, you're, we're not talking about first and second year guys, right? Brandon Banks, you mentioned it, was absolutely out of line in that, that 2014 Grey Cup game. But it's disappointing, right, that we haven't seen a little bit more growth from him because Ryan Dinwiddie addressed it after the game. They're asking Brandon Banks to be a leader mm-hmm. in that locker room and, and show that veteran leadership. And, and while he has put up some good numbers this year, I'm not sure he has put forward that quality leadership. You can weigh in at 936-6262, our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln on the Western Pizza Hotline. This is John Hodge, great writer from Three Down Nation. Hey, John, they must be listening to the sports cage because you and I have talked about this. I've talked about this with other people. You need to get a new generation of fan. And I had said a while ago after I had a nice lengthy conversation off the air with Mark Tressman, the former Alouette Argo coach, we both agreed the CFL should let younger kids into the games for free. Now, I had thought, in conjunction with Mark, probably 14 and younger, but the uh, Elks are doing it 12 and under. I think that's a great move. I think it's a great move as well, and it's, it's for a number of different reasons. First off, you know, Commonwealth Stadium is so bloody big, they're never going to sell the thing out. I, I don't remember off the top of my head what it seats, but it's something like 56, 60,000. 58,000 or something, yeah. Yeah, 58, exactly. Now, for a great cup, maybe you sell it out. Even the postseason, that's going to be challenging to do. So if you're going to have a million empty seats there, even for a well-attended regular season game with, say, thirty or 35,000 people, why not give a bunch of them away for free with the condition of it's got to be a kid who's going to grow up, 
attending games, making memories, because also as soon as that kid starts coming to that game and starts getting, you know, attached to the team and, and, and the, the imagery and the players, first of all, they're going to want a hot dog and a drink, or they're going to ask for, you know, the, the concessions, but then they're going to start asking for merch, right? They're going to want a team Jersey. They're going to want a t-shirt to wear to school. And so the team can still monetize this very well. Even if kids are getting in the building free, you can get the concessions, you know, you can get the merchandise. And, of course, if that child grows up loving football, and I, I could speak myself growing up in the city of Winnipeg, you know, that, that's the reason I do what I do. Is from, from the time I was a little, little kid, I was going to Winnipeg Blue Bombers games with my parents who were and remain season ticket holders. And I think a lot of people, you know, in my generation, you know, millennials, you know, uh, uh, adults in their 30s, going into their 40s, they're fans of the CFL because they grew up as fans of the CFL. I think the same is true for for folks above the generation, uh, but I think it was more taken for granted, right, back in the 70s and 80s, that that young Canadians liked the CFL and cheered for the CFL. These days, it's not as common, right? And, And if you want to prevent young people from simply becoming NFL fans, I think the best thing to do is say, hey, you know, you live in Edmonton, it's okay that you cheer for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs, but you're never going to get to one of their games. Guess what? There's a game happening in your city this Saturday. There's a seat with your name on it. It's free. Come and cheer for us because you don't just have to be an NFL fan. You can be a fan of both leagues, both games, because they're both great, and, and we need both of them to be around for the next 100 years. All right, so uh, it's 60,081 officially at Commonwealth, so it's huge. Okay, quickly, we got, I got. I wrote down my own power rankings. I know you guys have power rankings over there at Three Down Nation. You're encouraged to check it out. See if you agree with these uh, or where you change. At number nine, I've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They just can't get out of their own way right now. It's a disaster, although they're in the East, so the season isn't lost. At number eight, I got the Red Blacks. They've moved the ball, but uh, you know, even three turnovers against the Lions, they can't get it done. At number seven, I got the Elks. That's probably a win nobody saw, but good early season for Chris Jones and Trey Ford and those guys to get the win. The Alouettes, I put at six, but I might, given this information, drop them back down uh, closer to the bottom but i had uh, montreal at six toronto at five uh our riders at four winnipeg has been good not great a bit lucky at times there were three calgary's at two bc at one how do you see it shaking down i think you nailed winnipeg at three i i guess that they're four and oh they're they're obviously a good football team i'm not trying to take anything away from the blue bombers but I think they've been outplayed in two of their four games. I thought they got outplayed in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I thought they got outplayed at home week one against the Ottawa Red Blacks. They, they've been playing just well enough to win. And, and is that a great way to potentially get a home playoff game? Absolutely. Is that a way to be a championship franchise? Eh, probably not. They're, they don't look nearly as dominant as they did a year ago. The one thing I would change on your list, Ballsy, I think the Ottawa Red Blacks need to be substantially higher. This team, yes, they're 0-3, not a pretty record. However, they've played Winnipeg twice, should have beat them the first time, lost by a touchdown the second, and they went to a field goal with the BC Lions at home. Their opponents are a collective 7-0. and I think that this team has all the tools to get it done. Jeremiah Masoli has generally played well. Had his worst game of the year against yeah. BC, but he's generally played well. I think the offensive line is better. 
I think they've got some good receivers. The defense, I think, has played really well. They got the two picks on Nathan Rourke this past week. They've been able to generate some pressure, which they weren't able to do last year. I get that the record's ugly, but personally, I've got Ottawa in the 5-6 range. Okay. I don't think that they should be down in the 8-9 range. Okay, I can buy that, and it could be an upset special here. It's not going to be an easy game for the Rough Riders who are banged up. John, thanks for your time. You can always check out his work, including Insider Talk at 3 Down Nation. Take care, my friend. Have a good rest of the week. Thanks, Balls. You too. Coming up next, the sports ticker and Tanner Howe. The Regina Pats joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, we're back with the sports ticker. It's 4.51, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing Heating and Cooling. They're hiring. Starting salary for service technicians is 75000 plus signing bonus. You can give them a call at 781-2090. The under-18 women's football national championships continue today. Saskatchewan will take on Ontario at 5 o'clock, so near moments here, and then Alberta at 8 and uh, you can catch the games live on the Football Canada YouTube channel, or better yet, just head on over down the street to Mosaic Stadium and uh, watch it in person. Ballsy. Yeah, okay, so uh, we're trying to get a hold of Tanner Howe. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. We'll get to, uh, we like to talk to him, but if he's busy, he was busy on a fishing trip yesterday, so he, apparently he's good uh, now, but uh, <laughs> maybe he's filleting them. I have no idea. Uh you can still text us 936-6262. What do you think your power rankings are for the CFL? Just to reiterate, I got the Edmonton or checked out the Hamilton Tiger Cats at nine. They're over. They're struggling. Uh, Dane Evans has been a turnover machine. So the Tiger Cats at nine. Uh, John Hodge, a three down nation, convinced me. So I'm going to go Montreal down at eight, and especially after today firing their head coach. Kahari Jones and their D coordinator Baron Miles, two good men, two good coaches, replaced with Danny Machocha, the GM who always wanted to be the head coach, and then of course Noel Thorpe, the longtime assistant, comes in back in Montreal as a D coordinator. So they're eight, seven. The Edmonton Elks. Chris Jones got his first win back in Edmonton after Jalen Collins returned a fumble from Dane Evans in the dying minutes of the game in Hamilton. Uh, Trey Ford did not uh, put up stellar numbers, 159 yards with one touchdown, one interception, but he was fast running around, adds another dimension. Did we get him? No? No. No, we don't got him. That's okay. Uh, At number six, I'll move Ottawa up. Ottawa goes to number six. The defense forced three turnovers against the Red Hot Line just past week. Wasn't enough. They fall to 0-3. Jeremiah Masoli at two 300-yard-plus passing games uh, to start the year last week. Just 162 yards, and and they lost to the um, British Columbia Lions 34-31. So I'll move them to six. And then uh, quickly at five, Argos, four-year riders, three the Blue Bombers, two the Stamps, and the Lions at one. And we will uh, go more in depth on that at six o'clock. But we do have Tanner Howe on the Western Pizza Hotline. Pat's a young superstar. How are you today, Tanner? I'm good. How are you? Good. So you were on a fishing trip. Where'd you go fishing? Uh, I was at Jan Lake. Jan Lake. So uh, do you yeah. go? Do you go there often? Yeah, usually once. Once every year. Who'd you go with? Uh, just my family. Okay. You like your dad, your brother? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, just my dad, mom, and brother. Okay, cool. Who caught the most fish? Um, I think probably my b- brother, but I caught the biggest for sure. You got the biggest fish? What, what'd what you catch? Yeah. What'd you catch? Uh, walleye. A walleye? How big? Uh, 
probably three and a half pounds. Okay, so you're 16. How old's your brother? Uh, he's 13. So did you give it to him? Did you say, I beat you? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Jaw jacking oh, him. Yeah, That's awesome. Sure. Is he a hockey player, too? Yeah, he is. Awesome, man. Do you uh, do you give him any pointers or anything like that, or are you too young to do that yet? No, oh, yeah, we do. We got a rink, rink outside in the, in the winter, so oh, when still... I come home for Christmas, Christmas break or yeah. whatever, we, we go hard out there. So are, are you still living in the PA area? Yeah, awesome. Just outside of PA. Best thing about living in Prince Albert? Yeah, for sure. What's the best thing about it though? Fishing? Is it golfing? What is it? Oh, uh, we kind of live outside, so just kind of living in the country is nice. Kind of not around people and <laughs> probably fishing. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Do you like people or do you like to keep to yourself? Oh, uh, I mean a little bit of both, but. When I'm home, I kind of just like being with my family and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tanner, talk about your ascension up the roster. Now, people will say, well, this guy played with Connor Bedard. I mean, come on, I could play with Connor Bedard, but that's not true. I mean, he does help to play with him. But, Tanner, how you started like on the fourth line and worked your way up. Just talk about the season that was for Tanner, how? Because you really rose to the ranks and were a, 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 a comparable running mate with the great Connor Bedard. Yeah, I mean, Starting on that fourth line, I kind of saw it coming during coming into the season, just being a younger guy, and just kind of having to work work to get some opportunity. And kind of it was tough at the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, just kind of being on the fourth line, it kind of gave me motivation to work harder than everyone in the gym, and just kind of try to beat everyone so I can become, I mean, move up the roster there. And, Kind of halfway through, I kind of got up given the opportunity with some guys getting hurt and whatnot. So I kind of tried to take as much advantage as I could of that. Mm-hmm. And I thought I did pretty good and kind of just stuck there throughout the season. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, man. You led all Pat rookies in goals with 27, uh, uh, assists with 42, 69 points, 11 power play goals. And uh, how about this? Selection camp now, July uh, for the uh, Team Canada under-18 squad. Uh, when does that get started, and how does that feel? It's all, Yeah, it'll be awesome. I mean, it starts July 20th, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just hopefully go down there and get a good impression and make the team. Yeah, wh- what um, what are you doing to prepare for that besides fishing? <laughs> yeah, I don't think fishing helps too much. But, yeah, just working out every day and kind of skating as much as I can two to three times a week. And Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. Now, as part of Canada's National Men's Summer Under-18 Selection Camp, 44 players compete in an opportunity to wear the Maple Leaf at the 2022 Helenka Gretzky Cup in Red Deer, Alberta. Um what do you got to do to take your game to the next level? Like you, you had a great year, as I pointed out, Tanner. But what do you feel you have to do going? At, you know, as the calendar flips to be a seventeen-year-old. What, what, what do you have to do to take your game to the next level? Yeah, I think I just got to play my game and not try to be someone I, I'm not, and probably just work work on my foot speeds through the summer before I go to that camp. I think that's a big thing I need to improve on. Mm-hmm. And if I get that, I think I should have a pretty good shot. Yeah, what? For those that haven't watched you, and they should by now, but if they haven't watched you, what is your game? When you're playing your game, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think I'm a strong 200-foot player. Uh, I think I'm really good in the defensive zone as well as the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I got a good shot. 
and I can I play this, when I'm playing with speed I'm at my best. Yeah, no, for sure you're a fun uh, fun kid to watch for sure. Congratulations on beating your brother and your mom and dad fishing. Congratulations <laughs> on the selection camp, and uh, we're wishing you the best of luck. Can't wait to see you though this year with the Regina Pats. Have a good rest of the summer, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's Tanner Howe of your Regina Pats, a running mate with Connor Bedard. If Bedard's 1A and he is, this guy's 1B for sure. When we come back on the other side, we got a loaded rest of the show, as you know. Anthony Lanier II will join us to talk about his community work. Coach Dickey will give us an injury update. Farhan Lalji, Bob Stoffer, so much to get to. This is the Sports Cage. For uh, spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, and it's brought to you by our friends over there at uh, spreads.ca. And we will tell you that uh, you can sign up, and what you do is you sign up using the code CKRM, and they'll match your first deposit of 25 to 250 dollars nhl draft going down tomorrow montreal's got the first overall pick ottawa seven winnipeg 14 vancouver 15 toronto 25 montreal from calgary 26 edmonton 29 and winnipeg from new york at 30 so we'll talk a little more about the oilers about the draft about the death of former oiler jet flame leaf blackhawk shark brian march when he passed away suddenly he's a scout for the sharks passed away in montreal where they're meeting ahead of the draft the age of 53 but right now it is time to head out in the western pizza hotline and speak with our friend anthony lanier the second now if he didn't listen on our post game show he was our defensive game star because he did everything took a penalty to start the game which i thought was a tic tacky call and then i think he had three sacks a forced fumble it was quite a game from anthony anthony lanier the second but you stressed before i went on the air with you anthony that it had to be the second so just for a new audience why are you why the second can you tell me well uh, thank you for having me on first and foremost but uh yeah, the second because I, my my father is Anthony Lanier and then my son is Anthony Lanier the third, and uh, my mom was very big on the emphasis of that because she did not want me being called AJ. <laughs> okay, AJ. So what? So what is your what is your middle name? Oh, that's a tough one. That might be a, a trivia question for you later. Okay. Okay, good, good. That's a good one. I like that. Trivia, I'll get it off the air, and we'll get a trivia question going maybe a little later on. Anthony, you also are big into uh, community service. Tell me about that. Yeah, so when I um, first started my career in playing professional football, I also started my foundation called the Undefeated Warrior Foundation in my hometown in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, and so uh, tell us about that foundation. What's the, what's the purpose, and, and why did you start that? Um, started it because, um, of course, the area I grew up in was uh, um, in down south in Savannah, Georgia, and um, it was on the west side of Savannah. It's historic. It's called Carver Heights. Um, I grew up there under and raised by a couple of great people who came from the city. Um, have to tell you a little bit more about that later. But um, the children that were around there and the guys that I grew up with, you know, we had a little rough. So. I remember not having a professional athlete come back and give back to our community and um, or see us going around, you know, doing our day-to-day basis. So I said, well, hey, let me try and figure out something to start helping the families around here 
get the children out more into the community, or whether it be for football, whether it be just giving them something to do, different events around the city and everything. Um, started doing that because it really took a village to raise the child that I was to make the man I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's a bit, so who's a, you didn't have a professional athlete, Anthony, but who was a big influence in your life? When you think, uh, you know, you have a game like you did on Saturday, if you get a chance to sit and reflect, who, who do you think about that helped you get to where you are? Um, first and foremost, um, God, and then uh, also just, uh, my family, cause that's most, uh, one of my most biggest supporters, but, um, then I think about the children in the community um, around everywhere because, like I said, I started in Savannah, Georgia, but as I go around to new places, uh, new teams, and even new countries now, um, I see myself, you know, seeing these same type of children or children who have some of the similar or same stories, and it just I just can't help myself but to want to give more into them or pour what somebody poured into me and to them mm-hmm. to help them possibly have a better life. Anthony Lanier II joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, number 91 in your program, number one in your heart, especially when it comes to commu- community work. So, um, Anthony, I- I'm going to ask you this. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't quote-unquote call myself a Bible thumper, but I do go to church regularly. I'm a spiritual guy. But let me ask you this, because I ask a lot of athletes this, and the first person they always think, a lot of them, is God. Why do you believe in God? What what makes you believe in God? Well, first of all, um, take that from my upbringing, from my family, so let's do credit to them, first and foremost, for putting it into me. But um, over my lifetime, I've always been told that I wasn't going to make it, that I wasn't going to accomplish something, that I wouldn't even go to college, that I wouldn't even be able to play sports at a professional level. Um, and there's a few more things I can go down the line, and that's how I actually got the name for the foundation as well. But me putting my faith in God and praying and, you know, asking Him for forgiveness for the sins that I had back in the day and, you know, asking Him to continue to bless me and asking Him to make me a blessing to other people. And He continues to deliver every time when it's His time that we should be delivering. And if He is for us, who can be against us? Because everything I've been going through without through my lifespan, He's been with me the whole time, and I've been able to conquer everything through him. You know, I... uh you know, I, I want to talk football, but I've, uh, Steve Harvey, the comedian, said something that really stuck with me. It, it wasn't anything I read in a Bible or anything. He said, God is never late. Like, it, things right. always work out the way they're supposed to work out. They just don't work out in in, in the way you think they're going to work out. So I, uh, do you kind of see your time with the Riders as that? Because I, I remember you. I'm a Chargers fan. I'm an NFL guy, so I remember <laughs> you from there. But, you know, you probably growing up, <laughs> growing up where you did in Georgia, playing for Alabama a&M, you never even knew where Saskatchewan was, and now you're here. You kind of have to pinch yourself after, like, a game on Saturday? Definitely, because, you know, of course, with this being in the CFL, this is also another professional football league. May I add, one of the greatest professional leagues that we have in the world. You know, being able to do what I love to do, being around great people, being able to explore enjoy your beautiful country and city and fans and just all the love that we do get from you all, like, that's amazing. And I wouldn't be able to do that. Think about it. I wouldn't be able to do what I do, be able to travel around the world, be able to embrace fans, children, and communities if it wasn't for him. Because 
somebody had to give it to us, and that's who I put my faith in. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's a, here's an interesting thing I do ask the athletes, though. Okay, uh, like you got you you uh, obviously, if you're a Christian, if you believe in a in a in a spiritual being in an afterlife, you believe in kindness and gentleness and generosity, like the Community Foundation. But then you're on the field and you got to rip somebody's head off. Like yep, your job exactly. is to play a violent sport. How do you flip the switch, Anthony? Because, um, you know, just like you know, being a soldier in God's army, I'm a soldier out there on that field with my teammates, and we have our generals, we have our head coaches, which would be our leaders out there telling us what we're supposed to do. And God gave me the strength to be able to do what I do. So for me to say to go out there and do it, he understood this. He understood what he wanted us to have for entertainment. He wanted us to know what we would be capable of. And that's the thing about it. He's the only person to us that knows what our life is going to be. Because every day you have somebody who either questions or wonders what's going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, Anthony, like that was a breakout game for you Saturday? I, I think it was. Like, I've watched you play. Uh, you're, you're good in camp. And I'm just going to call it like I see it because that's what I do. Uh, when I saw Anthony Lanier last year, he was active, but he was on the edge. He took some offside penalties. I thought the first penalty call on you this week was kind of ticky-tacky. You were really chasing him down from the backside, Harris, showing some good athleticism. But then all of a sudden, you just took over that game. You were ragdolling, guys. Do you feel like it was a breakout game for Anthony Lanier. Hey, um, I mean, it's another game, and we take it on just like any other game, you know. I'm happy that I was successful. God bless me with that, and we just look for the next game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know. Maybe that may be the breakout game. Maybe another one coming. Never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was that was that a chippy game? That back to I find those back to back games are, are chippy, uh, chippier, Anthony. Um, usually, um, all our games are chippy, first and foremost, because you have grown men trying to show who's more dominant, first and foremost. <laughs> Before we even started playing the game, we wanted to see who's more dominant. But um, those games get a little chippy, but it's all in competitive love and passion for the game. Yeah. So talk about your D line because you guys, you got Robertson over here, you got Lanier, you got uh, Garrett Marino, then you got Charleston Hughes, and you got AC Leonard. You got quite a group there, a bunch of Swiss Army knives. You guys can all do a bunch of different things. Like you look at you, you were that, you were on one play, like you're playing interior, but then on one play, you go out to the end and you turn style the tackle and get the quarterback sack. Yes, sir. And it's, and it's, it's crazy because it's like, and that's I don't even think people really kind of give them credit right now to like Charleston, EC, and Marino and Pete Robson right now. Like you're talking about some of the greatest pass rushers that we ever seen, and also you know people who work their butts off to get every sack that they work for. And I'm gonna tell you honestly, before every play, for every pass play, it sounds like a gun goes off when the ball is snapped for us. Because it's a real deal race to get there before uh, AC or Gary Marino or uh, Pete Robinson or Charleston. You know what I'm saying? Or even some of the guys that we have sitting on backup. Like, we're in practice and, you know, our coach is like, you know, hey, we have to keep everybody rolling because everybody's good. Let's keep going. Yeah, no kidding, hey. Uh, so, Anthony, you touched on something. And before I let you go, I want you to be the guy to talk. Because in Canada, we have... Um, we have a fault where we think if it's Canadian, it's not American. It can't be that good. So uh, we have 
high-performance athletes that played in the NFL, like Anthony Lanier II with Washington and the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Saints. Then he comes to Saskatchewan. So just talk about it, because here's what I always say. I say in the NFL, you got about six, seven top-end guys on each roster. And then from about uh, eight all the way to the bottom of the roster, it's very comparable to the CFL. Would you agree the CFL not that far down from the NFL in terms of overall talent? Uh, yeah, not that far at all because you got to think about it. Like you talk about, just like you just said, like I just walked out of the NFL and came over here, and you know you got great competition on the field. You know some guys had a different route and may have gotten overlooked, or you know may have not been in the NFL when they grew up in Canada and they wanted to play in the CFL or didn't want to play in the NFL and came straight to Canada. You know you got different scenarios. That's why you have to get to know the players because. You don't realize what their story is. And hmm. being over here and over there is just the same thing. It's still the game of football. Just a few different rules and then one more extra person on the field and a few different hearts. Yeah. Okay. So so do you feel, lastly, Anthony Lanier II, like this, uh, it's kind of like, I know you're just here, you're recently here. It's not like you have you were born here or anything like that, but just the Ryder Nation, the fans, the organization, does it feel kind of like home to you? You're feeling at home here? Yes, definitely. Um, You know, um, our coaching and our building is wonderful. The, the fans, they're wonderful. You know, they, when we go out, like, it's just a, the way they embrace us, like, with the photos, the autographs, the you know, they make you feel important and it makes you want to play for them even more because, like you asked me earlier, who am I playing for? I told you a few, but once I get to meet the fans and get to meet the people around, the, you know, even the friendly smiles are holding the door for you, like, like that makes you want to play harder for even where you are and represent because on the front of my jersey it says Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but on the back of my jersey it says my last name and number. Mm-hmm. Well, you so know I what? first and then also my family yeah well i got into this business to to make people smile or uh and broadcast sports and then also help people out so if you ever want to hook up and do some charity work or have me help you out with charity work i'd be more than happy to help you anthony okay oh definitely you gotta make sure we make that happen all right man we'll talk at practice anthony lanier the second with a great game against montreal we're hoping it continues against ottawa have yourself a good night anthony that is Anthony Lanier II joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Want to give a plug to Western Pizza presenting our hotline. For Western Pizza, order the Rough Riders sweet deal from Western Pizza and you and a friend could be watching a rider game from a luxurious sweet our text line brought to you by capital ford lincoln 936-6262 zinger what do we got for text over there we got uh mickey on the text line says uh, oh mickey you're so fine you're so fine you blow my mind hey mickey that's the mickey that's the same mickey he says uh or he or she i'm not sure yeah but uh there's a reason banks is not in hamilton and it's uh because he is a bad football player Ooh, well, Mickey, I don't know about that. He had eight for eight, Mickey, eight for ninety-five. Mickey. had that miraculous touchdown grab, which was a touchdown or wasn't a touchdown, but it ended up hey, being called a touchdown. You gotta respect Mickey's opinion, maybe. Well, I don't know that he's a bad player, but he's a bad. Uh, I think he's a bad teammate. Uh, we got in my opinion. Uh, Shane in Assiniboia says, uh, "I am surprised that Machocha hasn't fired Kahari Jones' quarterbacks too." 
So he thinks that uh, maybe Trevor Harrison. Uh, Harris hasn't been bad. And yeah. Ver- Vernon Adams, I don't know. I, I mean, I think they've got an okay one-two punch. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how that offense is going to look and, going uh, forward. But. We got uh, unnamed texter says, I love electricity. I, I, I use it every day, Ballsy, for the last 53 years. Imagine your life without electricity. Yeah, I, I'm not talking about electricity. I'm talking about electric cars. I'm not saying they're not going to work. My son's in the field of environmental studies, which includes green energy. I'm not against it. What I'm telling you is, when my cell phone overheats in four minutes on Taylor Field or Mosaic Stadium, and when it overheats on the seat of my car, or if it's a cold day and it goes dead because it's on the front of my car, leaving it in my car for 10 minutes when it's minus 20, I have a tough time believing that an electric car is going to make it in these extreme climates. So that's what I mean. But, like, it's a... What, what, one thing's a car, one's a phone. They're not. They're different. You would think they would be different, right? I mean, come on, don't you think? No, I'm, I'm I don't think. No, I don't think you're out to lunch. God, I'm I'm out then. And hey, hey, look at hey, yeah, hey. look at that guy. Eric Church strolled in. My hey, son strolled hey, in. Yeah? He's in town for a few more days before he resumes his concert. It's not Eric Church. It's Ethan Ball. He'll sit in the corner. <laughs> I got a studio audience here as we now hear from Coach Craig Dickinson about injuries and everything going on with his football team in the lead up to the game against Ottawa. Okay, let's get it up to the injury update. I see Brett Lowther was out there and kicking around. Yep, like yeah. You saw him. You're not supposed to be out here on day three. Yeah, I saw him walking. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we think Brett's going to be fine, Murray. Um, but you know, we're going to be a little beat up still. Duke didn't practice today. Vaughn didn't practice today. Um, so we'll see. Um, but the nice thing is, uh, Lacumbo was out there today, moving around fairly well. Um, uh, but we'll see. With Brett. He's taking on my remember Jamie Borum? Yep. Is he becoming one like him? Putting his maybe not Maybe a little screen. bit. Yeah, Jamie was a pretty pretty uh physical guy. I think he played another position even when he was when he was younger. Uh, and I think Brett did too. But we ask we ask our kickers and punters to tackle and we train them to tackle as you as you see when we're out here. So when the ball comes to him, we expect them to hit the guy thick, bring their arms and make the tackle and so um, it goes with the territory. Hopefully we'll, the 11 in front of Brett will do a better job next time so he doesn't have to tackle him. You mentioned the broken hands you got on the x-ray. Yeah, no break. It He's, just looks swollen. Yeah, just swollen and sore. Uh, Nick Marshall, full participant today as well? Yes, Nick yeah. play, uh, Nick was fine today. Yeah, we think he'll be fine. What's going on with a Taron Vaughn there? Is there a... He's, he had shoulder surgery in the off season and it's just acting up on him a little bit. So we, we gave him a vet day today to try to get it right. What do you have to say about the way this defense has been getting after quarterbacks recently? Yeah, I did the yeah. math today, and they're on quite the pace. So yeah, it's a good bunch, and they just they feed off of each other. And the thing I really like about the defense is is they don't they don't mind if somebody else gets the credit as long as it's it's coming from the whole group. So it's a very, in my opinion, unselfish group, hardworking group across the board, and well coached group. So our defense is. Um, is doing a lot of good things and helping us win games. You've made a couple signings recently, Jordan Bolo. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it yet, but is that just because you've seen special teams, you want to get some more guys out there? We need depth. We need Canadian depth especially. So he's a guy we liked coming out when he came out of Western a few years ago, and he's a guy that's played a little bit. So we want a guy that's got some experience playing in the league and understands the pace of the game. So we'll see We'll see how the roster shakes out, whether he plays or not. But at least we had him in this week to practice. You 
you said yesterday was maybe a bit of a struggle with how beat, beat up guys were. Did you notice a different? It is a little better today, yeah. Short weeks are hard, though. Um, so you just do the best you can, you know, and then you hope that you can rally on game day and show some energy. I thought today was better than yesterday. Hopefully tomorrow's a little better than today. Sorry to back it up, sir. Do you think Duke will be in the lineup still against Tottenham? I think he will, but it's questionable for sure. So now with your receiving form, what are you looking at right now for starters? Well, if he can't go, then we're going to move Tevin Jones there, and then our Canadians just got to play multiple spots. So speaking of Tevin Jones, what do you like from what you saw from him in week four? Yeah, it... What I, what I like, Britt, is he, first of all, he's a great special teams player. And he just, it just doesn't seem too big for him. You know, he's played in the NFL for four years, maybe five. And uh, you can put him out there, and he, he may not understand exactly everything he's supposed to do, but it's not too big for him. He doesn't panic. And I feel like, because Cody said yesterday about him that basically he just wants him to stop thinking so much, almost yep. just more go with the flow. Oh, yeah. Is that how you feel yep. when you watch him play? Yep. I w you know, we want that for all our guys, but especially the first-year guys, because it's a lot. And you don't play fast when you're thinking too much. So if he can get the offense down to the point where it becomes second nature, he's going he's gonna to be a pretty good player. And if you see Duke back in the lineup, you still think Tevin will see a lot of Tevin players. will still see some time. He'll split some time um, with Picton at that X position. What do you think the way Keon Schaefer Baker's playing with his, it seems like a reckless abandon might be the two words. Yeah. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah, he's playing hard. Yeah. His ball security is always a little bit suspect when he's out there, but... Um, he's getting better at it, and I know he's working at it. The guy is just a phenomenal athlete, and as you guys notice, when you put the ball in his hands, good things happen. So Coach Moss is trying to get, a, get the ball in his hands early in the play and also trying to get it to him downfield. We feel like he's one of our best players. Do you think he can fly? He seems to be taking to the air. And he likes to jump. He'll get hit square one time when he jumps, and he'll stay on the ground. But <laughs> until then, we'll... He's going to try to hurdle people, I think. How about his maturity? He's, you know, the guy like Shaq out, Duke out. He's had to, I think he's had to step up. Yeah, much better. Much better this year than last year. He's made a lot of strides, not just physically, but mentally. He's growing up, and uh, he's becoming more of a pro every day. When did you recognize you could use him as a running back, as a sweep guy, as a as receiver? Jason saw that last year. Whenever we seemed to get the ball to him on the perimeter, he always made a little extra yards than we thought. So. He, he mentioned that to me last year. I remember saying, hey, we got to try to get Schaefer Baker the ball more often and in more creative ways. How do you see him improving on this year? He just got to keep getting better each day. I mean, I think his practice habits are good, not great. Yeah. Uh, I think he's getting better at that, and he's got to eliminate that one or two mental busts during the game. You know, he'll have one or two plays where he probably wishes he could do it over. If he could just eliminate those, then I think you're going to have all-star caliber sort of player out there. That's Coach Craig Dickinson telling us that Taryn Vaughn didn't practice or Duke Williams. Those would be two big losses for the Rough Riders. The Alouette or the uh, uh, Ottawa Red Blacks coming in here. They're 0-3, but that might be a mirage, just like Winnipeg's 4-0 is a mirage. Ottawa's 0-3 might be a mirage. That could be an upset special here versus the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who were banged up on a short week. Ottawa's had a lot of rest. They played last Thursday. When we come back, we'll hear from Farhan Lalji. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Today's show is brought to you, like I said, by Spreads.ca. And you can sign up using the code CKRM. And when you do that, 
you'll get a first deposit of twenty-five to two hundred and fifty dollars. They'll match that, so twenty-five to two hundred and fifty dollars. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with our friend Farhan Lalji from TSN, who is his fingerprints on all things sports. So let's start with hockey, actually, Farhan. First off, I don't know if you interviewed him or anything, but it's kind of sad news. Uh, Brian Marchman passing away, longtime NHL defenseman, scout with the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I used to watch Brian Marchman as a player, I, you know, it, it was difficult to watch because he was, you know, he was he was dangerous out there on the ice, and he was living proof of the fact that what you see on the ice isn't what you see off the ice because off the ice, he was just an awesome guy to talk to, a really, really good human being. And it was a shock to everybody on the hockey world, talking to people that I know out there, uh, both in San Jose, along with um, on the draft floor in Montreal. Just people were shocked, and it, it really has hit the hockey world hard because um, he was a, a beloved figure, more so after he finished playing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, full respect for the guy, and, and my condolences to his family and everyone that was close to him. 53 years old, tallied over uh, 2,300 penalty minutes, suspended 13 times. You're absolutely right. Kind of a heckle and jide. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, sorry, type of thing on and off the ice. Uh, speaking of uh, the NHL, we've got the draft coming up here tomorrow. Do you think, first of all, Montreal keeps the pick? And if they do, do they take right first? Yeah, I tend to think they're going to take right first. And, you know, he's been the presumptive number one for the last couple of years. And I do think they're going to take the pick because I think there's so much debate between the two players. It makes the value of that number one pick not what it would be if you had, you know, a year from now, Connor Bedard, which nobody would ever trade, right? Yeah. So I think in the end, they're probably not going to get as compelling an offer as you might for a player like that. And then, you know, it just makes sense to take the North American player right now, given the climate of, of trying to get Russian players over. I know even in Vancouver, there's a little bit of nervousness around, you know, Pod Colson and, uh, you know, and, and uh, trying to get them here, right, just given what's going on. So uh, I think, right, you know, when you when you the presumptive number one in your class for a couple of years, people spend a couple of years just trying to pick holes in your game. And, and rather than focusing on what you actually do really, really well, and I think he does a lot well, so I would imagine he's going to be a Montreal Canadian. You uh, can be nervous if you're a Habs fan. I think the last time they had the number one pick overall, it was 1980. They took Regina Pat's sniper, Doug Wickenheiser, and uh, everybody said, oh, why didn't you take Denny Savard? He went, uh, sure. Uh, you know, he obviously, I think, didn't Babbage go two in that draft, and Denny Savard went three or something like that, so a little bit of nerves there in Montreal. I've talked about this a lot in the sports uh, cage. I don't know if I've talked with you about this. I know Amar Dolman's doing a great job subsidizing canteens, you know, concession prices and having parties and trying to get people in there. And he acknowledges it's slow growth. Uh, and I think he's given a deal for like the last six games, like 129 bucks or something I saw, which is great. So he's trying to get them in there. I had said, and I talked to Mark Tressman about this, we both said, you know, 14 and under should get in free at a lot of these stadiums. Get the young kids in. Well, it looks like the Elks are doing 12 and under free. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have mixed feelings about it, right? I think that you can always do those types of things at selected times of the year. I know the Elks early on, you know, years ago, they used to do a thing uh, for their their preseason game or maybe week one where they could tie it in with a end-of-school-year promotion. And I, and I think a lot of those things work, or even one time in September for a back-to-school promotion and things like that. But I, I also think that there's a value to a CFL game. And I understand that you want to, you know, let the young kids in, or hopefully their parents will pay for a ticket and do all of that, and we'll see what it looks like in Edmonton. But I, I'm not big on that amount of freebies. I don't know how you feel if you're a season ticket holder, if you're dealing with yeah. that. I just don't want 
people to feel like the product isn't valuable. And there's always a line that, that you have to kind of balance. And I'm not sure what that looks like here, right? I, I think you can make it um, cost-effective enough like the Lions are doing and other teams are doing where you can still make the price point low. But I, I, I just I don't like free. My gut doesn't like free. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm buying it. But, it, look, if it works, those things resonate in different markets differently. And maybe it'll, it'll hit in Edmonton a little bit differently. Riders are banged up. Ottawa's got, uh, you know, Ottawa's on a on a longer, uh, I don't want to say rest, but they played last Thursday, so they've had more time to prepare. They're coming out here cross-country, but like I said, the Riders are banged up. Looks like a mash unit around here. And as as Winnipeg's 4-0 record's a mirage to me, so is the 0-3 Ottawa start. This one smells like it could be an upset special, if you want to term it that. Yeah, I think it could be truthfully, and I'm picking Ottawa. I, you know, and the, the number's kind of gone down. I think it was, it was a 10-point spread at one point. It's down to, I think, 6.5 right now. And I agree with you, right? I, I think Ottawa is much better than their record indicates. Quite frankly, I think the entire East is better than their record indicates when you look at really how close the majority of these games have been uh, when, when the two uh, divisions have played each other in crossover games. So, you know, you look at the first two games against a very good Winnipeg defense, and Ottawa outplayed them. Ottawa moved the football consistently and effectively. And, you know, you look against BC, they didn't move it as well, but BC gave them some short fields and they were finally able to finish, something they weren't able to do against Winnipeg. And you take a couple of drop snaps and things like that away, and that game could have gone differently. So, you know, you look at Saskatchewan, where they had a lot of success running the football against Montreal. Armando Sewell not in the lineup for that game. Whereas you look at Ottawa, they did a really good job of defending the run against the BC team that had its way running the football the first two games, right? So um, coupled with the mass unit that you talk about in Saskatchewan, yeah, I, I totally think that uh, this is ripe for an upset, and I'm picking Ottawa to win the game. Okay, cue the circus music. Besides the Ottawa Red Blacks, the East is kind of a circus. Let's start with Toronto. What the hell was that on the sidelines? The principal had to come down from the office and set him straight, Mike Pinball Clements. Yeah, that was a bad look for everybody, for them to, to have to go through that. I think it, uh, I think it was really, really uncomfortable for for a lot of people and you know like I get how they're trying to spin it now and say that look this is emotion and it's good and teams have it and you know we're, we're actually using it to kind of rally our team now right because we were still able to find a way to to come back in that game despite all that sideline theatrics but you know it's the second straight week right I mean you had McLeod Bethel Thompson snapping at Ryan Dinwiddie and BC and now you've got this situation and it just kept going right and I know that Brandon Banks is a is a passionate guy, but you, you can't have that. And, you know, might they have dealt with it a little differently from a discipline standpoint if they didn't have a bye? I don't know, right? But now that you've got two weeks in between games, you don't want to let a suspension or whatever linger, right? So you just kind of move on and you try to do it differently. But certainly, you know, talking to Ryan Dinwiddie after the fact, he wasn't happy with how that whole thing went down. So, um, you know, I, I think they're all going to have a pretty short fuse for that kind of stuff going forward. And, you know, you, that's not how you win. That's not that's not how it's supposed to work, even if ultimately you came together and we're, we're a PAT away from overtime. Okay, so Dane Evans continues to struggle with turnovers, now leads the league with eight INTs. He had that horrible fumble at the end of the game that's scooped up by Collins and Edmonton remarkably... Uh, 
wins that game. Uh, good on the Elks, but uh, terrible for the Tiger Cats. Now, Hamilton's lucky because they're in the East. A lot of slow starters there. I think they definitely can turn it around. But how do you feel about a quarterback being on the sidelines, basically having a meltdown, and the other quarterback coming over and consoling him? Great Great piece of sportsmanship, but I don't know that I want my starting quarterback, undisputed guy, kind of looking like he's having a meltdown on the bench. Yeah, you know, it, it's tough, and he wears it on his sleeve, and he's gone into the team and said it's on me and all that stuff, and that's all well and good, but, like, stop turning the damn ball over, right? You know, when you look at Hamilton the first two games, their offensive line was a disaster, mm-hmm. and you could, you could hang it all on the offensive line, and certainly Saskatchewan's defensive line embarrassed them. But these last two games, the offensive line has not been great, but they've been treading water, in my opinion. They've been enough to win with, and Dane Evans has just been awful. And, you know, I I look at him, and there's been simple throws that he refuses to make because he seems a little gun-shy. You know, you can see, you know, we had the cable cam in the last game, and, um, you know, up high in the end zone, so you get a really good look. And there were open receivers on various routes, and he's just not willing to pull the trigger, right? So, mm-hmm. he, in my opinion, Dane Evans has cost them the last two games, and, and their record is better than it shows, right? So, and, and if you're if you're Alondra Steinauer, you don't have a lot of options right now, right? Like, what are you going to do, right? Go to Matthew Shills at this point? Right? Yeah. It's not like a year ago when you had a crash a crash pad or a landing pad in Jeremiah Masoli. He doesn't have that. So, it, it's going to be a tough situation for them, and you've got to find a way to rebuild your confidence and and – make sure the team's got some confidence in you because it doesn't look good right now. And we wrap up the circus talk in the East with Farhan Lalji from TSN, their great uh, football reporter and play-by-play guy. Listen, <laughs> Montreal, I mean, uh, I think, you know, this guy was a lame... I like Kari Jones. I think he's a good man. I think he's a good coach. Uh, Darian Durant will credit him with uh, his stellar playoff performance here in 2013 when he was the quarterback's coach with the Rough Riders back in 2013 when they won the Great Cup here. Uh, but he was on a, 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 an expiring contract. There ha- was talk Danny Machocho wanted that job. Man, this thing's shaping up to be a circus in Montreal. Trey Watson's out. I wonder if that Watson debacle really pushed things over the edge there for Kahari. Well, no, I, you know, I think the penalties generally did, and I, I think we all saw this coming, right? This is what Danny Machocho wanted. Many people speculated this. Uh, you know, certainly in hindsight, it's something Kahari Jones also believes that Danny wanted to coach this football team. And Noel Thorpe was out there. He's Danny's guy. So, you know, you, you know, it was a tough situation for Baron Miles, too. Two and a half defensive coaches on that staff, right? Him, Quick, and Archambault, who splits time between defense and special teams. So um, he was kind of set up to fail a little bit. Right from the beginning, early in the season, before the season, you know, they've spent so much time talking about discipline. Um and those are the things that you can easily hang on a, on a head coach, right? So the fact that they're one in the three, the fact that discipline's been a big issue, the fact that they're going in the bye week, I'm telling you, like two hours before this announcement broke, I was talking to Dave Naylor, and I said to him, I go, my gut is telling me Kahari's going to get fired today. It's unfortunate that he's back in B.C., and that's where it happened, uh, as opposed to face-to-face. But um, not a good look, but entirely predictable that this is the way it was going to turn out. Damn, Kahari Jones had to hit a home run here. Like, they had to be 3-1 and one at this point of the season for him to survive this. But you've got the quarterback carousel there. You've got, you know, the Trey Watson thing. That was Machocha's decision. That wasn't Kahari Jones' decision to move on from Trey Watson. So all of it combined, and it was, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. But one thing I will say over the course of two and a half seasons, Kahari Jones has proven himself to be a very good coach, 
a very good leader and an exceptional offensive coordinator, as I see it. It won't take him long to at least land an OC gig, and he'll be in the mix for future head coaching jobs just because people want offensive-minded coaches. NFL talk quickly here before we let you go. Speaking of quarterback carousel, uh, Baker Mayfield ends up his tour now in uh, Carolina as uh, they uh, give to Cleveland a fifth round pick that could be a fourth round pick. When you think about it, the Jets got a second, a fourth, and a sixth for Sam Darnold. So what uh, what uh, you know, that's a lot better than what Cleveland got for Baker Mayfield, who's more established in my opinion. Just your thoughts on Baker Mayfield ending up in Carolina. Well, I think it needed to end in Cleveland, right? One way or the other, and I know people thought given that Deshaun Watson could be facing a season-long suspension, that maybe they need to find a way to play nice and kiss and make up with Baker Mayfield and bring him back, but you know, I think both sides knew that that just wasn't the right way to go. And it really isn't about trade value at this point. Yeah, a fifth that could go to a fourth if he plays in a big deal, right? This was just about could you make the finances work? So they're going to pay $10.5 million in Cleveland to make Baker Mayfield go away. And Carolina's only paying $5 million, And then Mayfield is giving back $3.5 million, but he could earn it back in incentives. So, you know, ultimately a win-win. It shows you how much Seattle didn't want him because that was a, that's a pretty palatable deal for Carolina. If you mm-hmm. gave up a fifth, it might be a fourth, and you're only paying $5 million for a quarterback. You know, Certainly the Seahawks could have afforded that if they wanted. And you're going to get a really motivated Baker Mayfield in, uh, in Carolina to, uh, you know, to resurrect his career going into the final year of his deal. So you know, I think everybody wins. Cleveland, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they turned around and tried to make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what I was going to say. Is Jimmy G end up there? Because he, that's the next one that he's done in San Francisco. He already said goodbye to 49er Nation. They've got a team that can that can compete, but now they need a quarterback with Watson probably going to be on the shelf. One, a precedent has been set as to what a deal could look like, right? So if you're Jimmy G, are you willing to take a little bit off the deal? If you're the 49ers, you're willing to pay half the deal, right? And just make it a palatable move for, uh, for uh, Cleveland to bring him in because you, you're not going to have Deshaun Washington for a long, long time as, as uh, the tea leaves are, are being read here. So, uh, yeah, that could be the next domino to fall. It's the only one remaining at this stage. Farhan, thanks for your time. Always appreciate it. Take care, buddy. Enjoy the games this weekend. Yeah. Schedule. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait. That is a Farhan Lalji from TSN. When we come back, pick the score right now. Call us 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. 1-866-767-0620. Want to go to a football game? Want a chance at a, a gift certificate from SAS Tele? $200 and a chance to sit in a suite next year at a Ryder game? 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. 1-866-767-0620. This is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. All right, we're back with the sports cage sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. You can give them a call at 781-2090. And uh, right now, happening at Mosaic Stadium, under 18 women's national championships in football and Team Saskatchewan is absolutely laying the lumber, baby, on Ontario. I'm talking 44 to 7 right now in the second quarter. I'm watching it with my own two eyes right now and a 
big tackle there by number 77 on Saskatchewan. So it looks like Saskatchewan will be going to the gold medal game uh, this weekend. Other news, well, the Jays, they picked up a big win in Oakland today. They salvaged the game in that series. Uh, they beat the A's 2-1 to this afternoon. And uh, former Edmonton Oiler Mike Greer, he's been named the new general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Greer is uh, the first African-American general manager in NHL history, and I think we're going to talk more about that at the top of the hour as uh, Ballsy sits down and chats with uh, Oilers color voice Bob Stoffer. That's good. Zinger, you are, uh, you've done 100 games now as a public address announcer for the Regina Red Sox. By far the best public address announcer in the WCBL. By far the best public address announcer in Can West football. No Thanks, man. But I you love can't when say, my tires get pumped. But you can't say the word cage. Would you please bring some professionalism to this show? What did I say? You call it cage. The cage. What are you, turning it into a French show? Sports cage. You said sports cage. Hey, man. Uh, sometimes you got to give it a little bit of mama. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, do we have anybody waiting for pick the score? Is anybody yeah, yeah. called? I actually do have someone on hold here, so okay. I'm going to have to leave you alone on the airwaves for okay, a second. Okay, let's go. I, I'm, let, let me get them on the air live. Okay. Yeah, let's okay. talk to them. Let's, let's go. go right now. Here we go. Like, can I run my own show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you follow my lead, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so let's go to the phones here. Uh, who do we got? Hello? Yeah, Brad from Saskatoon. Hi, Brad. Oh. How are you, Brad? Brad, how are you? Can you hear me? I, yeah, I okay. can hear you. Okay, good, Brad. So where are you driving around? You're driving around night, right now. Where are you? Driving home from uh, from work or what? Uh, well, going out to work, going out to eastern Saskatchewan, out to Sturgis. Oh, doing what? Oh, just helping a buddy with some construction. Oh, so. good. That's awesome. Okay, Brad, uh, you have called in for Pick the Score. That means uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. you got to pick the score. So what's the score going to be for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks? 31-28 Riders. 31-20, you said? 31-28. 28. Okay, I thought I was I thought I heard 28. Okay. Is it going to be a last second field goal from Brett Lother or how do you think it's going to shake down? Uh no, I think we're going to get a defensive pick at the end of the game. Okay, shut so down. shut him down. Okay. 31-28 for the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Who's your favorite rider? Oh, Favorite rider probably Moncrief. Yeah, I like Moncrief too. Hurts his wrist. We thinking maybe he broke it. Gets it all taped up. Comes out. Gets his third pick of the year. He leads the CFL in picks. That is that's crazy, man. Yeah. And, and Jamal Morrow had 223 all-purpose yards in that game against Montreal. We got a stifling defense. All right. So congratulations, man. You got tickets to the game. You also are in the running for a $200 gift card to Sastel and. You're in the running for a sweet experience at a rider game next year, okay, Brad? Sounds awesome. Thanks Thank for you. thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciated safe travels out there on this beautiful Wednesday. All right, Zinger. So uh, coming up on the other side of the break, uh, we are going to hear from Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. We'll talk about. Uh, 
all things San Jose Sharks. They got a new GM, one of their scouts, and a former defenseman, Brad Marchment, passing away uh, suddenly. Uh, we also will talk to him about what the Oilers are going to do with their goaltending situation. Will they trade Pooley Is Kane going to come back? All those questions may be answered. We'll go through our power rankings in the CFL and hear from Pete Robertson in the last half an hour of the show. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. All right, here with the color commentator in the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network, Bob Stoffer, also hosts Oilers Lunch, a popular radio program in Edmonton. Before we get to that, I know you're a football guy too. I've been saying this for a long time. I talked with Mark Tressman about this. We were on the same page. The CFL should let 14-year-old and under in free. Looks like the Elks are doing 12 and under. I like that. Get the, get the young kids in the stadium. Get them turned on to football. Well, it's a great idea. Uh, I know that uh, I grew up in a thing called the Knothole Gang in Edmonton in the uh, early 1970s, uh, you know, and, and at that time it was like, uh, I don't know, 10 and under, 8 and under, something like that, and it was uh, in the corner end zone of uh, Clark Stadium. Uh, this was before Commonwealth Stadium was built. They kind of transitioned it to Commonwealth Stadium, but then what it ended up happening Michael, as you know, is the, the Edmonton Eskimos were so popular during their five straight Great Cup run from 78 to 82. I know I had season's tickets as a 16 year old in 82, and they had 56, 57,000 yeah, fans crazy. for some of the games back then, right? So uh, the law of supply and demand, the CFL has to go out of their way to encourage involvement from younger demographics. That, go, that comes without, uh, goes without saying, so I applaud this decision by the Elks yeah, today. for sure. Hey, let's start with some somber news. Brian Marchment suspended 13 times. Tough-nosed player. I love watching him on the Oilers, but he played for the Hawks, and he played for Hartford, and he played for Toronto and Winnipeg, and then uh, San Jose, and then was a scout. Passing away at the age of 53. Just your thoughts on Brian Marchment. Yeah, I've you know I've had he he had we have a mutual acquaintance, a jewelry guy in Edmonton by the name of Red Shaw, and I used to see much uh, much a lot, uh, sort of in the well he was here in Edmonton for four years, but we'd often see him you know when he came in with other teams, and I'd see him at the occasional establishment. And in fact, I saw him a couple of years ago uh, having lunch uh, one time, and I mean just a great guy, like just bit of a, a total throwback as a player. I remember. Um, he had a tilt with Ty Domi where he didn't want the fight to end. And I mean, they were, they were checking from downtown, hard nosed guy, tragic story. Don't have the full information yet, but no question. Uh, talking to some people in, uh, Montreal, this is the first draft. I, I, I was at every draft from 2009 to 2019. I'm going to be going again next year. This is the first draft I've missed, but it's definitely cast a bit of a pall and, and nothing but, uh, you know, 53 is far too young for a man to pass away. It's a sad story. really is. Hey, Mike Greer, former Edmonton Oiler, GM of the San Jose Sharks. Not like he doesn't have a lot on his plate. <laughs> Draft, a coach, a free agency. But, yeah, Mike Greer steps in there. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, you know, I got to know him a little bit in Edmonton. I was more in the periphery. Last time I talked to him, he was uh, an assistant coach at the New Jersey Devils. Um, I'm thinking it would have been the 1819 season. I got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised there. I mean, Brian Lawton, who I have on our show, Oilers now, 
you know, I know Brian got interviewed a couple times. I know Scott Housen was one of the guys that was interviewed. Scott's a former assistant GM at Edmonton twice, GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, currently the uh, the president of the American Hockey League. So, uh, I, you know, Brian's uh, a real smart guy. I know Ray Whitney's name was out there. Scott Mellaby's name is out there. I'm sure Mike Gurr did a great job. It's, as you know, his, his brother's a, the, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins in the National Football League. His father, Bobby Greer, was a longtime player personnel man, spent most of his time with the Patriots. So real sports organization entity into that family. I'm sure it's a great place. I don't know, if, uh, Michael, if you've been to San Jose. No, I haven't. It's a, terrific, it's a terrific stop on the tour, and it's an easy place uh, for guys to uh, recruit players into as well. So we'll see how long it takes. In terms of, uh, you know, I, I get the sense they don't want to rebuild there. I think they should rebuild. To me, the San Jose Sharks are like a, a guy who's three-quarters bald. He just needs to shave off the rest of the dome and, <laughs> and go all in. I think that's how I kind of see the Sharks. Oh, so great. Be a great. Great. You, th- uh, you think treat- I'm the San Jose Sharks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Why? Are, are you three-quarters bald uh, right now, Baldy? Well, or I'm half bald. My son said I should give it up. So, yeah. I, but no, yeah. co- no comb overs here. No comb overs here. Hey, speaking of speaking of some gray beards or older guys, what's up with Keith and Mike Smith? Duncan Keith, Mike Smith. Well, well Ken Allen just did an availability. It was right during the tail end of my show, but I just watched it back, and he said that Mike Smith's pretty banged up. Uh, I could see Mike Smith going on LTIR. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers. Also have got Oscar Clefbaum on LTIR for another year. Um, that inflates Edmonton's current perspective on their cap right now. My guess is Mike Smith's going to end up on LTIR for the year. Uh, as for Duncan Keith, uh, led to believe that they've given him an extension until basically this weekend. they got to let him know what's going to happen. But, you know, the longer this goes, the fact Keith's taking this long to decide, to me, that's a sign that he's seriously contemplating retiring. And uh, I thought Duncan Keith did a pretty good job for the Oilers. You know, he ended up in a situation where he was plus 15. He played about 20 minutes a game last year, just under 20 minutes. Basically, he played the same in the playoffs as he did in the regular season, around 19.40 per game. But Duncan Keith's a Hall of Fame player that has an expectation level of how he's going to play and the role he's going to play. And... You know, if he knows he's going to be challenged for second-pairing minutes in Edmonton, I wonder whether or not, you know, he sits there and looks at it. The other thing your listeners are probably aware of, uh, Duncan Keith's a $5.58 million cap hit, but he's only owed $1.5 million in real dollars. So he's made 66 and a half with $68 million in his contract. So does he want to get in shape? And he is a committed guy off the ice. Like, he's, he watches his diet religiously. Um, that's part of the reason why... He's been able to have the career he has. And maybe a guy just sits there and decides and says, you know what, enough. I've made enough money, and he can decide to pack it in with one year left of the deal. But I expect Smith on LTIR and some clarity on the Keith camp. Uh, his agent's uh, Jerry Johan from the Sports Corporation out of Edmonton, and I think we'll have some clarity by this weekend. Is this a Pooley-Arvey experiment done in Edmonton? Uh, well, if Pooley-Arvey was prepared and the agent was prepared for him not to be guaranteed top six minutes i think it could be extended but i wonder whether or not they're looking for um you know a a fresh start as well i mean uh it's interesting there was a really good uh piece written by a guy that goes by the handle j fresh 
and he basically talked about the fact that Poliarvi is is not an elite offensive player in the sense that he's not a great passer uh, and doesn't have a great finishing rate, but he does a lot of other things really well. You know, he's a strong analytics player in terms of tilting the ice. So I think maybe, you know, remember, he's a restricted free agent. He's going to be looking for term. He's already left Edmonton once before. I think we could be headed down an inevitable path where he ends up getting traded. And if he does end up getting traded, I think it's going to be for a player coming back. I don't think it's going to be for a prospect or a pick. All right. Bob Stoffer joining us for a couple more minutes. So is goalie on the radar for the Oilers? Evander Kane, yeah. where are the priorities here? Uh, I tell you today, Ken Holland talked about Evander Kane and said he's had lots of discussions with Dan Milstein. Um, and I, I know Milstein's trying to hit the home run for Kane and get you know as long as term possible with as much money as possible. And I just don't know if the Oilers have an appetite to go five or six years out of Andrew Kane. Like I, that you know, I know I pulled our listeners today, and virtually all of them love Andrew Kane as a player, and none of them want to go beyond four years of the term length. So if the fans feel that way, uh, you know. And a lot of our fans are heavy analytics type that don't necessarily like gut analytics. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if the Oilers have an appetite to go five six years at you know six and a half seven million dollars. Evander's thirty one years old. He played great in Edmonton. He had thirty five goals in fifty eight games in the regular season of the playoffs. Um, and I wonder if there is an outlier out there as another NHL organization looks to pay him you know seven million a year times five years. And what about the goaltending situation? Are they targeting that? Uh, Michael, you know, it's funny. Last year, the Oilers had Adam Larson, who is represented by CAA, and ended up signing with Seattle. And the whole time, they were like, you know, we have Cody Ceci. It's another one of our guys. And I bring up that scenario. Edmonton got Ceci four years at $3.5 million, And frankly, he, he outperformed Larson yeah, he last year. He was a good signing. I bring that up because the goaltending, Mike Smith is represented by Denver's Kurt Overhart and uh, Denver-based agent Kurt Overhart, and he's also got Jack Campbell. And I would suggest that uh, that might be the fit, and there's got a lot of people nervous because Jack had a great first four months of the season this year and then had just a real tough time for a couple months. So um, there's no question the Oilers are going to when, – when Ken Holland's talking today about Mike Smith being pretty banged up, the owners are going to have to come up with a different solution. In goal, of course, Miko Koskinen signed in Europe. And Stuart Skinner, uh, 23 now, maybe not ready for 50 games a year, but probably ready to see what he can do over 25 and 30 next year of the owners. Okay, Bob, we'll let you go here, but I'm going to let you go on this. Number one, does Montreal keep the first overall pick? And if they do, who do they take? Uh, they keep the number one pick and they take Shane Wright. Okay, that's a good ending to this. I appreciate it, Bob. Have yourself a great day. Enjoy the draft. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Bye-bye. Big news of the day in the CFL. The Montreal Alouettes have punted their head coach, Kyrie Jones, and D coordinator, Baron Miles, both former rider assistants. Danny Machocho won a great cup as a head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos then in 2005. Remember, he ran on the field, thought they'd won, but hadn't won yet. It's crying and stuff. He's back in the CFL as a head coach. He's the GM of the team, now the head coach. Uh, used to coach the Montreal Carabin 
Anthony Calvillo is his offensive coordinator. Then we'll see if Anthony Calvillo takes over the offensive coordinator duties with the Alouettes. Noel Thorpe, the longtime assistant coach in Montreal, will take over as the D coordinator for the Jettison Baron Miles. The Edmonton Elks will allow kids 12 and under to attend games for free. The rest of the regular season, it starts this Thursday when they take on the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Baker Mayfield traded from Cleveland over to Carolina for a conditional fifth-round pick. It could be bumped to a fourth-rounder based on playing time. The two teams will split his salary. Um, Brett Lothar has a couple of messed-up hands. He took a beating trying to cover kicks as the kicker, but he says he will play. Bit of a calf injury, too. Nick Marshall was at practice today. Uh, Duke Williams was not, neither was Taryn Vaughn. Uh, the NHL schedule is out. The NHL will open the season in Prague with a couple of games. Sharks and Preds will play October 7th and 8th. Leafs open up against the Habs in Montreal. Vancouver and Edmonton will play that night in Edmonton. First hockey night in Canada on Saturday will feature Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, and Washington, and Calgary at Edmonton Battle of Alberta. All right. Uh, we'll get to our power rankings in a minute, but first let's hear from one of the performers of the month. There were three, Jamal Morrow, Pete Robertson, Nathan Rourke. Let's hear from Pete Robertson. Well, I know you spoke yesterday, but you're named Player of the Month today. So what does that mean? Um, to me personally, um, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about what it really means to me, just more what it means for the team. You know, uh, showing them guys that... Uh, Every game, you know, the next game we got upcoming that I'm, I'm here to play. And I got them, them guys back, offense, defense, it doesn't matter. I got you guys back uh, anytime. You're on quite the pace right now in terms of your, your sacks per game. What, what has led to this sort of start for you? Um, playing with the guys I'm, I'm, I'm out there on the field with, man. Them, uh, as you can see, you know, when we really all hot and rolling, you know, we getting turnovers, sacks, you know, guys making great plays, tackling. And um, I think the, the, the true help with me has been playing with them other guys on defense. I talked to Anthony Lanier yesterday. I've spoken to you about it too, but what was that phone call like when you said, let's go up to Saskatchewan and cause some havoc? Because you're number one in the league in Saks, and he's number two. Right. Uh, it, it was kind of funny because uh, I ended up signing right before Ant. And um, I remember he was calling me because he was like all over the place. And he got a little nickname, what he called me. He called me, he was like, hey, Dirty. You know, that's his, my nickname. He calls me. He was like, man, you going to Canada? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, man. Come with me. You know what I'm saying? I think it will be something we both enjoy. And, you know, that was funny. That was two years ago when me and him had that phone call because they actually canceled the season, that season coming up. And uh, that was two years ago. And uh, you can see, you know, what, what the future held. And that's right, right now today. How nice is it to have a guy like that who you, you played some NFL with, a guy you've kind of kept in contact with and just have that familiarity with coming to a whole new league where the rules are different? Right. Man, I say, you know, just with that chemistry and that brotherhood, that bond me and him then, then built over the years, it, it was a great feeling because I knew at the end of the day when I was coming in last year, I wasn't going to know everyone, but I knew I had a guy that I can depend on and lean on in certain situations. What's it like for you? kind of having that ability to play different positions in Shivers' positionless defense. Sometimes you line up, you go middle, sometimes you're on right. the end. And uh, it, it's very free. You know, you don't feel trapped. You don't feel like you have to do just one thing. You know, you got the, uh, the availability to make plays all across the board. So that's from the edge, the middle. You know what I mean? They send some guys like AC, he good with 
transferring with the Sam and uh, with the uh, the defensive end. So it, it's fun to be able to play multiple positions in the defense for sure. Where did you kind of learn the technique from as a defensive end? I've seen some people on Twitter point out the plays you made and just point out your techniques really, really good on a lot of your stats. You seen it on Twitter? I, I need. Some, I on Twitter need, did a thread about. I need to see that. I need to find it. Find, find it. Yeah, and, and show me that. But um, man, it's funny. Um, I learned from this guy named Mike Smith. He um, he was my linebacker coach in college uh, when Coach Kingsbury came into Texas Tech. But um, he played a little bit in the NFL, and he had left the Jets and came down and started coaching me. But he really upped my pass rush game because uh, I believe like the first true year I went to defense in outside linebacker. He was my coach, and um, that was in 2013, and he was a great coach. So right now he's with the Vikings, and the, last year he spent quite a time with the uh, Green, Bay, Green Bay Packers on, on their pass rush. We know that defensive end athleticism can get you a, a, lot, a lot of sacks, but how important is that technique for a defensive end when it comes to? Oh, uh, te technique, technique, you know, at the end of the day, I think with the end of position, technique is very important. But uh, when rushing against sacks like this, it's about rushing with the guys beside you. You know, it's a lot of times you can rush individually, but you're not going to get that sack individually. You need the guys beside you, you know what I'm saying, to help you cause havoc to get back there to the quarterback. Not even them guys, but the guys on the back end, because like I said a while ago in my interview, a lot of sacks be covered sacks. So it's not a guarantee you're going to win every rush, but it's guaranteed that you can go out and control what you can control by working your technique and playing together with, with the guy beside you. What, what do you know about Jeremiah Mazzoli? A different quarterback than Trevor Harris. He, he can escape the pressure a little bit more known for that. Uh, no disrespect. Don't know too much about him. I just know he's going to try to get the ball off. And at the end of the day, you know, when I see him, I'm going to see him. And he's going to see my dogs with me. That's Pete Robertson, one of the performers of the month, along with Jamal Morrow and Nathan Rourke. Okay, time for our power rankings here at the Sports Cage. I got the Hamilton Tiger Cats at nine. No surprise there. At 8, I had to Ottawa, but I talked to John Hodge from 3 Down Nation. You can check out my chat with him. It was earlier in the show, but you can get it in podcast form, that being the Sports Cage, courtesy of our friends at Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. And, uh, yeah, he convinced me that I should have them higher. So I'm going Montreal at 8. They just fired their coach and GM, uh, Kari Jones and Baron Miles, replaced with Danny Machocha and Noel Thorpe. So Montreal is at 8. At 7, the Edmonton Elks. Chris Jones got his first win back in Edmonton after Jalen Collins returned a Dane Evans fumble for a touchdown in the dying minutes of that game in Hamilton. Trey Ford was okay, 159 yards rushing, or sorry, 159 yards passing, a touchdown, one interception, but his ability to run the football adding a new dynamic dimension to the Elks. At number 6, the Ottawa Red Blacks. They forced three turnovers against the Red Hot Lions. Wasn't enough to avoid a fall, uh, falling to 0-3, but that 0-3 is kind of a mirage. They played Winnipeg twice, could have beat them at least once, could have beat BC, but just couldn't uh, finish in the end zone. So I, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Riders, but I wouldn't be shocked. They've got more rest. The Riders are banged up. That's going to be an interesting game. I still have to let the week play out, but Ottawa at number 6. At number 5, the Toronto Argonauts, only because they're in first in the East, despite their sideline fight with their bad teammate, Brandon Banks, and a little bit, uh, bit of dysfunction there, and they're basically a talented team with discipline issues and no quarterback. McLeod Bethel-Thompson is not a starting quarterback in this league. Chad Kelly obviously doesn't have the experience. So the Argos at five. At four, the Riders put forth a solid bounce-back effort against Montreal. Uh, they do have a 
a knee injury problem with Cody Fajardo. Duke's hurt now. Uh, the O-line has just been okay in terms of pass blocking. They were good in the run game. Uh, Taron Bond didn't practice today. Uh, they're on a short week. I got them at number four. Number three, I got the Bombers. They do enough just to win. They're good, not great. Number two, the Stamps were relaxed and rested. They've got a game against the Edmonton Elk. They beat the Elks uh, earlier in Calgary, so that's a big game uh, coming up here on Thursday to kick off week number five in the CFL. We'll have our picks tomorrow. I got Calgary at two, and the BC Lions have been the class of the league. They blew out two opponents at home on a short week, went to Ottawa, played a very good Red Blacks team, better than their record indicated, like I said, and they come up with a short week victory to improve to a surprising 3-0. and Time to wrap up with some text on the other side of the glass with Sean Kleisinger. What do you got over there? Uh, Xavier says uh, Grey Cup tickets still not all sold out. Just took a look today. Still a lot of blue dots in the top uh, deck and in the end zone. What's up with that? Eh, it's getting close though. We're still yeah. a ways away. We're okay. I think we're at about 98%. And we got a Kip on the text, uh, text line says I have driven an electric vehicle in Regina since the Bruins Won the Stanley Cup in 2011. Good. Uh, it's been uh, the best vehicle I've uh, had. Seriously. That's from uh, Kip. And uh, Mickey. Remember Mickey's comment earlier, Balls? He said that uh, Banks is just not a good football player. Remember yeah, that? I remember that. Well, uh, Mickey texted back and he said, I meant not a bad player. I meant a bad teammate. Oh, Banks yeah. is a bad teammate. I agree. Okay. He, I, I wouldn't want him on my team. Yeah, I would he's not, a horrible I would not. I wouldn't want him even. Uh, he's 34 now. I wouldn't even want Banks when he's 30. He's a bad teammate. I haven't liked him since the 2014 uh, uh, Grey Cup when he pulled that act there when there was that blocking infraction yeah. against one of his teammates. All right, well, that's going to do it for the show tomorrow. We'll have some uh, some thoughts from Glenn Suter. We'll try to check in with Luke Mullinder. We'll also have some more audio from Riders practice. Um, and we're going to do our picks for the week, which kicks off tomorrow with the Calgary Stampeders and the Edmonton Elks. Hopefully they have a bigger crowd with... Freebies now for kids 12 and under. If you missed this show, it'll be in podcast form, brought to you by Saskatchewan Senior Mechanism. And uh, thanks to Zinger for his great work. Thanks to you for participating. Remember, tell all your friends the best sports show in Saskatchewan. And as it relates to the CFL, is right here, uh, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I'm Michael Ball. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca